Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you, Denny and the praise team. Great job today. Uh, Luke chapter 2, that's where we just read. Denny read my scripture for the day, so keep your Bibles open there. I'm in my last sermon on Grinch, keeping the merry in Christmas. We know Christmas, joy is the theme of Christmas. We even told it in our text today, Luke 2 verse 10. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look. I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Like Christmas is supposed to be joyful. But we've learned already that people and problems can steal your joy. But it's just not people and problems. Here's what I know. It's not normally the major things of life that rob all of our joy. It's almost like, like in the crises of life, we figure out how to have joy. We figure out how to put our faith and trust in God. No, what gets us down more is the regular, normal, everyday life. Or what I'll call the, uh, uh, the pursuit Don't let the pursuit get you down. Normal everyday life. Because sometimes, right, it feels like just everyday life can rob the, knock your joy down. Kind of like this photo. I saw this tweet this week. Uh, My neighbor's Jay fell down, but this is way better for 2020, right? That's, like that kind of describes 2020, doesn't it, right? Sometimes you just get the joy knocked right out of you or your joy falls over, however you want to say that. That's a pretty accurate description of what can happen. Our joy gets knocked down. Our joy gets taken out of us at Christmas time. I know what you think. You think, well, it's Christmas. We should be happy at Christmas. You're right. You should be. But you know, none of the research says that. I I can show you two things that'll prove it. One, uh, we know this, that heart attack, heart attack rates increase at Christmas time. This 2018 study by the British Medical Journal found that Christmas Eve was associated with a 37% uptick in heart attacks. 37% men, let's not kid ourselves. That's no women. That's all us. 37% uptick on Christmas Eve. A lot of stress. Number two, they found out this though, that family stress weighs on your mind and body. In 2015, survey by Healthline found 65% of Gen Xers and 61% of millennials described their stress level as elevated during the holidays. One of the biggest sources of stress for respondents... Family drama. Some of you not upset Christmas is canceled at all this year, are you? Like, you're glad. It's like, oh, I mean, we'd love to have it, but, you know, COVID and all that, we, we, can't, we can't have it. Because there's a lot of family drama, and that brings a lot of stress in our lives. And even science tells us that physically and emotionally, the holidays can bring a lot of stress in our life and suck the joy right out of us. But here's what I know. Normal life does that to us all the time. When we're just trying to live for Jesus and be the best Christian we can be, when we're trying to do what's right and follow the Bible, when we're trying to be a good example to our kids and our family and our friends who need Jesus, we are not immune from discouragement attempts by the enemy. We're not immune from depression attempts by the enemy. And by the way, neither was this first first family at Christmas. I won't read the story again. Denny just read it. But the parents of the Son of God, can you let that sink in for just a moment? The parents of the Son 
of God. We're not immune to joy-sapping events at the first Christmas. It wasn't anything major. It was in the normal pursuit of a godly life that led to the possibility of discouragement. While they're trying to live for God, while they're trying to do what's right, while they're trying to love people, in the midst of trying to do well, discouragement can creep in in the pursuit. So let me, let me show you four things we learn from this story that I think will help us keep our joy at Christmas time. Number one, can I tell you this? Life just happens. Like, look at verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. Now, let me give you just a little bit of history of Caesar Augustus. Born Gaius Octavius. He was uh, born in 63 B.C. He was uh, kind of given this title in 27 B.C. when he won as a general a battle over Egypt, and he annexed Egypt into the Roman Empire, they gave him the title Caesar Augustus, or Augustus Caesar. He's the nephew of Julius Caesar, if you remember the first Caesar of Egypt. And though Herod may have been king of Judea, he reported to and answered to Caesar Augustus. Now, he was a rough man. He was a harsh man, but he was a master administrator. As a matter of fact, during his time, through his administrative skills, he, bought, he brought peace to the Roman Empire that had been in two decades of civil, civil war. And when he's ushered in as Caesar, Rome is about to enjoy what is called by historians as the golden years of the Roman Empire, 250 years of domination by the Roman Empire are ushered in by this man named Caesar Augustus. And so this man, this ruler, has declared that all of the world, that all of the known world, all of the Roman Empire should be enrolled or registered for the purpose of attacks, T-A-X. And so here's what they have to do. You have to leave where you live and go back to your hometown of origination, and there you have to participate in a census, a registry, a, a poll, so they can figure out who and where to tax them. So Mary and Joseph, when this decree was issued, had to take off on what is about an 80-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, if you're wondering how far 80 miles is, I got on Apple Maps last night, and I told Apple I was going to walk it, and I did 80 miles, and from, from here to downtown Kennesaw, Georgia, is 80 miles. And uh, Apple said I could walk it in 28 hours, obviously having no idea what kind of shape I'm in. 28, 28 is a little aggressive, I think. Mary was expecting and so much farther along. She's about to have her baby. So this would have been a very inconvenience, week-long-plus trip for her to get to. You say, well, she got to ride that donkey. There is no donkey. We don't know anything about a donkey. The Bible doesn't say there was a donkey. We just make that up. I hope there was, but we don't know. We don't know. And here's the point I want to make. Here are the parents of the Son of God. Please let that sink in. The Son of God who did not get a pass on the ups and downs of normal life. You know what they had to do? They had to do what everybody else had to do. And pack up their stuff and disrupt their lives and walk 80 miles for a tax. Listen, I know sometimes the idea, we have the idea that if we really love God, or we really have the idea that if God really loved us, 
that we would get a pass on the inconveniences of life. And I'll tell you where we get the idea. The devil whispers it in our ear. The devil says, if you really love God like you should, you wouldn't have to do stuff like this. Stuff like this wouldn't happen to you. Or the devil say, if God really loved you, you would not have these issues. You would not have to do these things. If God really loved you, you would get a pass on real life. And so somehow we've got this expectation that real life won't happen to you if you're trying to follow God. And when it does, just normal, everyday, real life, it winds up getting us down. Can I tell you that no matter how much you are living for God, no no matter how much you love God, no matter how much you serve God, real life is going to happen to you. I'm the preacher and it happens to me. Like if anybody gets a pass on real life, by title only, I should get a pass, right? Like I'm a professional Christian. I get paid to be good. I'm a pro. You're amateur. I'm a pro. And did you know this? Georgia Power will not accept sermons for payment. The audacity. Did you know Walmart does not have a preacher discount? Not that I know of. I have tipped the driver just like you have tipped the driver. If you do. The doctor wants insurance for me or payment. And did you know everything I buy winds up breaking and tearing up and running out and going bad? I, you may not know this. I'm the preacher. Like I should get a break, right? But like, did you know there is not manna on my front lawn every Monday morning? We have to cook like you have to cook every day of our lives. There's no, there's no preacher Christian life. There's no Christian life apart from real life. Life happens to the best of us. And when stuff happens and stuff breaks and stuff goes sideways, listen, you can't let that get you down. We get the idea that there's a, there's a Christian world bubble down here and God needs to put us in the Christian bubble. And if he puts us in the Christian bubble, then normal stuff doesn't happen to us. No, that's not the case. You've got to live in the same world. People who are far from God have to live in and do the same things they do. Why? That's not taking us from this world. He's helping us get through this world. There is no Christian world that we get to live in. I love commercials, and I think sometimes we get the idea that our life is like the State Farm commercials. Have you seen those State Farm commercials about special rates? If you haven't, let me, let me show you some. Oh, just one. Jake from State Farm, it's the least I can do. You really did me a solid with that, uh, Maya markdown on my insurance. Here's the deal, Maya. State Farm offers everyone surprisingly great rates. <gasps> right. No, really, there are no markdowns, just great rates. Pull her home back in 20 minutes. I'll hook you up with the good parts. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, uh, I didn't order any pizza. Jake from State Farm. After you saved me so much dough on insurance with that Parker promo, I devised a promo for you. Here's the deal, Parker. State Farm offers everyone surprisingly great rates. Yeah, right. Pepperoni pockets, an atomic brownie, cuckoo crusty. There's no promo, it's just great rates. And a cider ranch. You're the man, man. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, uh, Jake from State Farm. I may have told her server you can give her the Rogers rate for her insurance. Well, that's just fine, considering the Rogers rate isn't real. Yeah, but I'm sure you gotta probably pull some strings or something here. <laughs> Look, there are no strings. Here's the deal. State Farm offers everyone surprisingly great rates. Hey, we're in. Get the Rogers rate. Oh, did you guys want some? 
When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I love those commercials. The Rogers rate. That's kind of how we think about life, right? I want the Christian rate. Like, I want the Christian life. Like, I don't want to have to do what everybody else has to do. I want to, I, I want the special Jesus rate where it gets me through all of normal life. Can I tell you, Jesus warned us it was going to be this way because he said it in Matthew 5. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. How dare he right like the sun should shine brighter on his children can I get amen right there right like it should only rain on me when I want it to rain on me but I tell you the truth about the Christian life it the sun rises for the people far from God and the people following God and it rains on the people far from God and the people following God I'm gonna tell you if you love Jesus it's gonna rain on you sometimes if you love Jesus it's gonna be sunshine on you sometimes and can I tell you if you love Jesus it's probably gonna be partly cloudy most of the time in your life that's okay life happens and I think we ride the highs too high and the lows too low when all we really need to do is put our faith and hope and trust in God and, and in the next world. Now, it's all going to pay off one day. Like I, I, I get it. It is all going to pay off. If you're listening to me, don't hear me saying it doesn't pay to serve God. I'm saying it, it definitely does pay to serve God. I, I'll, I'll talk about that some more in just a moment. So hear the whole sermon. But I want you to stay encouraged because when your joy comes from Jesus, not your daily circumstances, you'll be much better off in life and much happier in life. One day it's going to pay off. You're right. Those of us who know Jesus spend eternity in heaven. And those who don't know Jesus spend eternity in a place called hell. It definitely pays off at the end. It pays off right now. But at the end of the day, there's no, there's no Christian rate. It's just all of us trying to serve Jesus the best we can. And life's going to happen to you. If, if life happened to Mary and Joseph, trust me, life's going to happen to us. That leads me to the second thing I want to say, though, and that's this. And we learn that doing right doesn't make everything right. She had a firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there's no guest room available or King James says no room for them in. And when they finally get there, when they finally get to Bethlehem, Mary was due. Now, when I say Mary was due, Mary was like dilated 10 centimeters, two contraction, two minute contractions apart due. And they get there and they have no place to stay. And man, do we give an innkeeper a hard time, don't we? Like we really rag on an innkeeper, which didn't exist in the Bible, but we made one up and we, we got to have somebody to throw stones at and that innkeeper's it. In every children's Christmas play in every Baptist church ever has always thrown shade at that innkeeper there in Luke chapter two. Like we give him a hard, hard time. And Jesus was born in a barn, basically and laid in a manger. Now, let me set the scene for you. The whole of the world's history has led up to this night when Jesus was born. It is the hinge on which the history of mankind turns. The whole of mankind from Adam's original sin until now has looked for and longed for this night. All of the prophets of all of history from the, the righteous preacher Enoch to John the Baptist the preacher of repentance they have all talked about this night they have all prepared the way for him and I'll read the verse in John at Christmas Eve service but on this night the word was made flesh in order to save us and Mary and Joseph the primary human participants and witnesses of this greatest event in human history and absolutely nothing is going their way. 
They're on a long journey, no decent lodging, born in a barn. You say, well, they probably wanted to be born. They didn't want to be born in a barn. They tried their best to get a room in an inn, and some mean old innkeeper would not give them a room. They did not want to be born in a barn. And you would think that with all of human history pointing to this night, you know, there might have been a little bling thrown Jesus' way that day, right? Like a little luxury, a little opulence. Can we at least get the suite on the top floor of the Hampton Inn? Something. This is the Son of God we're talking about. And instead of everything going right, everything's going wrong. But get this. Here are two people who were firmly entrenched in the sin. If the will of God had a bullseye, they have hit the bullseye. Here are two people who are living holy lives. And listen, they are as right with God as as you can possibly be. But everything in their lives is not right. But get this, when we get to verse number seven, they are right where they need to be, but that doesn't mean they are right where they want to be. Right? Verse number seven tells us they are, they are right where they need to be, but it doesn't mean they are right where they want to be. And here's what we have to learn in the Christian life. We have to learn in the Christian life that where we want to be versus where God needs us to be can often be two different places in life. After all, there's a big difference between want and need. If I leave church today, go to Publix, I want to be on two aisles in Publix. I want to be on the frozen section where blackjack cherry ice cream is, and I want to be on the chip section so I can get the biggest bag of family Doritos and a box of Pringles they have, right? That, that's what I want in life. I can feed myself for days off that. Where I need to be is where a piece of chicken and bag of broccoli is, is where I need to be in Publix. Want versus need is different. Even when you're doing right, can I tell you, Need versus, versus want can't be more different. I'm like you. My wife and I are just like you. We're, we're the same. Can, can I tell you this? I want everything in my life to be perfect. Can I get a loud amen right there? Amen. Right? You do too. You want everything. And you know, I want health, wealth, and prosperity. I want everybody to love me. I want peace in every area of my life. Safety and security. I want all of that. But sometimes the need for my life and the need for the kingdom of God is not the same as my want. Sometimes God has a divine purpose going on in my life. And the need outweighs the want. You may be there now. You may feel as if you're doing everything right, living for right, serving God in the center of his will. You're doing the best you can, but life is not what you want. Can I tell you and give you hope today? That doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. It reminds us that doing right doesn't make everything right. And so when you find yourself there, don't give up on God. When you find yourself there, don't quit on God. When you find yourself there, stay in his will. Stay close to God. Because just because you're not getting everything you want doesn't mean you're not right where you need to be. Third thing we learn from that story is number three, sometimes a detour is deliberate. This will be the sign for you. You'll find a babe wrapped in 
tightly in clothing and lying in a manger. The only literal reference to shepherds in the whole New Testament is in this passage, verses 8 through 18, where the shepherds came and worshiped Jesus. Now, the Bible talks about Jesus being the good shepherd a lot, right? Like he was the one who searched out for the lost sheep. His mission was to the scattered sheep, he said. He was the good shepherd. He knows his sheep. His sheep know his voice, and his sheep follow him. Like Jesus was the good shepherd, but we, we, we preach a lot about Jesus being the shepherd, and sometimes we miss this, though it's right in the Bible, that Jesus was more than the good shepherd. Jesus was the Lamb of God. Here's what John the Baptist said. He said, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So here's what you have to understand. Things are not going their way. They, don't, they have what they need, not what they want. And now they're on a detour. Instead of getting to stay in a house, which they may have prearranged, we don't know, they're having to birth their baby in a barn and in a stable and lame in a manger but there's a reason behind that detour because where else would a lamb be born other than a barn and in a stable and laid in a manger there was imagery right there that God wanted to go with Jesus for the rest of life. If he was going to be born a king, he might have been born in a palace. But he's going to be born a lamb and give his life and shed his blood to take away the sin of the world. And he being born in a barn was on purpose. The detour of Mary and Joseph was deliberate. God wanted the lamb to be born in a stable, laid in a manger, and visited by shepherds of all things, shepherds. Jesus wasn't accidentally or haphazardly born this way. It was deliberate. That for Mary and Joseph, they have no idea. No idea. And I know sometimes in our lives it feels like we have stumbled to where we are. You may be listening today and your life is on a detour and you would never have planned this route out for your life. And sometimes detours rob us of our joy. But I want you to know that for the child of God, sometimes they, those detours are deliberate because they bring us exactly to the place where God wants us to be. My wife and I, two of our favorite restaurants are Papa Cita's and Papa Do's. How many of you have been to Papa Cita's Papa Do's down? Yeah, so I didn't realize all you knew it was, it was, you're why it's so crowded. So many people today have known how, how it is. But two of our favorite restaurants are on Windy Hill Exit uh, going in Atlanta. And if you don't know where that is, sorry, it's just for me. So, uh, but it's, it's a great restaurant and best Mexican you'll ever eat and the best Cajun seafood you'll ever eat. But we'd never heard of them. We were on a road trip to uh, Texas. And I said to my wife, we had to go to Texas. It's been a decade ago. I said, let's just take a road trip. Let's spend two days. Let's just drive. Let's spend two days going out there, two days coming back, spend the night both times. And we love road trips together. We love being in the car together. And so we were in Texas, uh, somewhere around Houston, and we saw a sign that said detour ahead. I could tell by the maps and all that, that there was road construction. It was actually going to get us off the road by, for like 30 minutes off the interstate, detour us around and bring us out and put us back on the interstate. It was going to be a pretty long detour, but we were starving. I was at the point to where I what do they call that? Hangry. I was hungry and angry all rolled up in one. Like I need to eat now. We, we kind of mistimed where the restaurants were and all that. 
And so we're, we're heading on the interstate, and I see she's on the phone doing real estate. So I'm, I'm kind of having to do this by myself. And so she's selling houses or whatever she's doing, and, and I'm just hungry. I'm not doing anything but worry about food. And I see a sign up ahead for, like, the normal restaurants you see, you know, at an exit, like here, like Olive Garden, Cracker Barrel, all that. And I'm like, hey, baby, I'm going to pull over and get us something. And she's like, that's great. I'm hungry. And so I, I get close to the signs. And then I realized that um, it was one of those dumb exits where you had to get off it like a mile and a half back and ride with the interstate all the way down there. So I just kind of waved at the Olive Garden on the way by because I missed it. Couldn't turn around. And so now I'm just going and I get all the way to the detour and we have to get off the interstate. She's still on the phone and, and I'm like, man, I don't know where to go. There's nothing here. And I pulled into a parking lot of a place. Sometimes a Papa Doe's will have a picture uh, like a, of a crawdad on, it, on, its, uh, on its sign. And I saw a picture of a crawdad or a lobster or something on its sign. And I'm like, anybody just bold enough to put that out there like that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull in the parking lot. So I whipped it into the parking lot, and she was on the phone. She got a phone. I said, hey, here's what happened. I don't know. It's all I see. You just want to try it? Like, we'll, we'll try it. And she's like, oh, let's try it. We walked in, and we discovered our favorite restaurants ever, Papa Doe's. And Papa Cetus, oh, Texas. I was putting out resumes at churches in Texas just so I could live close to a Papa Do's at the time. I just like, it's, God's will, that's all fine and good, but I need to be near Papa Do's is what I need to be. And so we found it. And I drove on, we ate there. We were planning out how we were going to eat there on the way back. And I drove on to this meeting in Texas. And I, I met a guy there who's from Atlanta. And I was, he was asking me about the trip. And I said, oh, we loved it. And I said, we found this cool restaurant. And he said, well, there's, there's one of those in Atlanta on Windy Hill. I said, well, I've already got resumes out in Texas now. I don't know how that would work. And he's like, no, no, there's, and he said, there's another restaurant called Papacitas right next to it, which is the Mexican version of Papa's, and, and it's, it's the best. And so on the detour, I did not want to be on. I found the best, the, our two favorite restaurants to eat at. Now, I don't mean to compare God's will to Papa Do's and Papa Cita's, though I'm sure they're wrapped up in there together somewhere for me in my life. But I do know this. God puts us on deliberate detours in our journey. And sometimes a bigger blessing comes out of the detours than if we just stayed in a straight line. Don't let the detour steal your joy. You may be on one now. Look, you may be on one tomorrow. You say, preacher, I don't like detours. Neither do I. But enjoy the journey and find out what God is trying to teach you in your life. Enjoy the journey and look for the blessing that God's had for you in your life. The detours are in your life deliberately. I'll show you the fourth thing we learned, and I'm finished. Number four, reflect instead of react. I love this. It's one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible from the heart of Mary, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. We, we learn from here in verse 51 that Mary did not exactly know all that was going on. Like Mary, the angels told her a little bit, they didn't clue her into everything. She had no idea what was going on. And the words there in, in the original language means that she was, it's like she was trying to put the pieces of a puzzle together in her mind. That's the good imagery of it. That Mary's just taking all these things in and she's reflecting in her heart and she's trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together just to figure out what's going on in life. Can, I, can you think about the last year of Mary's life? The last year of her life, she went from planning her wedding and being happily engaged 
to be expecting with no physical relations from a man, being told by an angel she was expecting the Son of God, having her husband consider, or her soon-to-be husband, I told you it was different those days, but husband, betrothed husband, agree to stay with her, and now they're on a road trip, and now the shepherds are visiting them, and now wise men from the east are going to visit them in a few days, and more angels are going to show up, and dreams are going to happen. Yeah, Mary was a little turned around after we've had a, and look, just having a baby itself is a thing, right, ladies? Or right men? I mean, we do a lot of the work too, you know, and so uh, instead of overreacting to her situation, she reflected on what God was doing in her life. And she took a moment to try to let the Holy Spirit of God whisper into her heart and put the pieces together of what God was doing in her life. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that sometimes life comes at you fast and furious, right? And can I tell you what you don't need to do? Don't launch into an overreaction on social media. I mean, like, can you imagine... Can you imagine if Mary had had Instagram and been in our culture today, you know, been like, I don't know where y'all had your baby, but can you see, you know, me? And it'd been nonstop photos of Mary, you know, and like, hey, you did have the son of God. I know, but it was hard on me, you know, on and on and ranting and raving we do. When life comes at you fast and furious, don't rant and rave. Don't have a meltdown to everybody you know. Spend some time treasuring and meditating. To see what the Lord will tell you. Sometimes you just need to, and pardon me for being rude, sometimes you just need to shut up. Because God can't speak while you're speaking. And God won't speak while you're ranting and raving. God wants a still, quiet heart. Who's spending time saying, Lord, I don't know what you're trying to do in my life. I don't get it. But I'm willing to sit here and be quiet in my spirit and just let you watch me try to put the pieces together. You know, sometimes God hands us a piece of the puzzle at a time. And sometimes we just need to quit overreacting to life and stop and reflect on what God is trying to do. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. Have you ever wondered why hard times seem like they last forever? Like, that's true, right? Like, you know, the week before you go on vacation seems like it lasts a month and the week of vacation seems like it lasts a day, right? You know, that's actually a thing. I'll give you another example. Well, psychologists call it time warping. And it's a trick played by your memory. So, when something is new, so I'll give you an example here, like Christmas time. So I'm, I'm 52, and did you know that Christmas is kind of starting to look the same? That's why when you're my age or anywhere near my age, that's why you can remember Christmas when you were eight better than you can remember Christmas when you're 38. So if I said to you, remember your Christmas when you were 38, you got no chance whatsoever. You're not going to remember that. But if I said remember when it was eight, you might remember that. Why? Because when something's new, exciting, fearful, full of anxiety, your amygdala, the part of your brain that keeps photo, photo, takes photos and puts them in your brain, 
When something's new, exciting, fearful, that, it snaps a lot of photos and said, oh, this is new. Let me take a lot of photos of this sort. Remember, when something has happened a lot in your life, your brain takes slower photos. Because it's like, we've seen that before. We don't need another picture of that. It's like when you're in first grade and the summertime lasts forever, remember that? And when you're in your junior high school, it's gone that quickly. It's not because you were busier necessarily. It's just your brain says, we've done this before. Just snap, snap, snap. Don't, don't take a lot of pictures. We're good. We've got it. We know what's going to happen. Well, scientists know that when you're full of fear and anxiety, that your amygdala starts just snapping photos. Like, we got to remember this. And they studied it by doing this. Here's what they did to study it. They pushed people off buildings. Literally, they pushed people off buildings. Now, they did tie them up, and then they dropped them onto a net. And so they pushed them off the building, tied them up, and then it snapped, and they dropped down on the net. And so here's what they did. They pushed them off buildings, and uh, they started asking them questions after they uh, pushed them off. Hopefully, are you okay would be first question. After that, they started asking them questions like, what do you remember? How long did it take for you to fall? And here's what they discovered, that your brain takes a lot of pictures, that when your brain's in this free fall right here, your brain is snapping. Uh, they have vivid memories you know why? Your brain's like, hey, I'm falling off a building. I need to remember this, which I'm not sure why, because if there's not a net, there's really no need to remember a lot right here, I don't think, is there? It's kind of wasted brain power if you ask me, but, but they ask people, your brain just snapped a lot. And so here's what they discovered. The more memories you have, so your brain's snapping a lot of pictures. Hang with me. The more memories you have, the longer you believe it took to transpire. So here's what happens. People are snapping a bunch of pictures. They ask them, how long did it take you to fall? Nobody got it right. They all overestimated the time they were in the air because they're falling with fear. They're falling with anxiety. They're falling with stress. And your brain is just saying, I need to snap all these photos. Hear me. When you're going through a difficult time, when you're going through a time filled with stress and anxiety, can I tell you what your brain's doing? Your brain is snapping photos because it's got all that fear. Your brain is snapping photos because it has all that anxiety. And it feels like you stay in it forever. If you're not careful, it will rob your joy. When truth is you've had far more good times in your life than you've had bad, it's just your brain tricks you and tells you the bad have lasted long. But it's not true. It'll rob the joy out of your life. So don't let it. When you're in the midst of those difficult times in life, and sometimes it's just normal times, right? Sometimes just life happening. It's no different than what I'm going through, what everybody else in the world is going through at some point. Sometimes it's just life happening. But, but can I tell you? Reflect instead of react. Reflect instead of overreact. Sometimes it's just good to say, Lord, it seems like I've been in this thing forever. I want the joy back in my life. Would you stand with me? Your head's bowed, your eyes closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're watching online, hang with me. Ross will hang with me. If you're a Christian here, I'm going to speak to you in a moment. If you're a Christian, I want you to stop and pause for a moment. 
Because there may be some reflecting you need to do. Normal life may have gotten you down. It may be that you're trying to live right, and it, it, it's just, it, you're like, God, why are you letting stuff happen to me? It may be that you're on a detour, and you hate it, and I don't blame you. So spend a moment letting the Holy Spirit of God try to put the pieces together in your life. But if you're not a Christian, I want you to look right at me. If you're not a Christian, do not hear me say today, having Jesus doesn't matter. It does. We have the Holy Spirit and the Bible and the church and, and, and God to help get us through these times. We've got something you don't have, and that's vitally important. But what's more important is we know where we're spending eternity. There's only two places to go. One is called heaven, one is called hell. Good people don't go to heaven and bad people don't go to hell. People who know Jesus as their Savior go into heaven and people who don't die and go to hell. You may be watching today and God's, God's brought you here and that's been the burden of your heart is your eternity. We call that conviction. It happened to all of us too. Where will you spend eternity? If you'd like to spend eternity in heaven but don't know that you will, look this way and, and I want you to, here's the formula, A, B, C. You've got to admit that you're a sinner and can't save yourself, can't earn your way to heaven, can't be good enough to go there. Quit trying. I can't do it. You can't do it. Nobody can. B, you've got to believe and have faith that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and rose again the third day. And C, you have to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. But if you're in the room or watching through a screen and you are not a Christian, but you'd like to be, I want to lead you in prayer. It's not the words that are going to save you. It's not the prayer, but the intent of your heart and life is to give your heart and life to Jesus. If you'd like to do that right now, pray this prayer with me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't earn my way to heaven, but I believe that Jesus' death and resurrection paid my price. And so just now I invite Christ into my heart and life to forgive me of my sins, to save me, and to give me a home in heaven. And I trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're in a room somewhere, Rossville or Rock Spring, you prayed that prayer with me. You are born again. And here's what I want you to do is take that connection card that you filled out and just check pray to receive Jesus on there. And we're going to send you a booklet in the mail that tells you we want to celebrate with you. Number one, we will send you that booklet in the mail that tells you the next steps to take in the Christian life because you're not going to know them unless you get that booklet. And if you're watching online, all you need to do is take your phone and text I did to 97,000. I did to 97,000. No spaces. And we'll send you that same booklet. And if you're watching this a day, a week, a month, a year from now, text I did to 97,000. We'll send you that same thing. Now every head bowed, every eye closed. Our staff's here at the front. And if you would, you want to find out about how to join our church, being baptized, how to become a Christian, maybe you still have some questions, or maybe you just need somebody to pray with you. Up at these next steps, right here in the front, I've got two staff at Rossville. Somebody's at the next step station there, and just go to them. They'll help you with that decision. But before I pray and dismiss, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let me be honest enough to say, hey, preacher, normal life's got me down a little bit, and I want you to pray with me. Normal life's got me down a little bit. I want you to pray with me. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Just hold up just for a second. I'm going to scan the room a little bit. Just hold it up, hold it up, hold it up. Dozens and dozens and dozens been that way all day. Let's pray. Father, we know you love us. We know you care about us. We know that there's nothing Romans tells us can separate us from the love of God. We know that. 
But sometimes in the normal pursuit of a Christ life, we, we forget it. Sometimes the enemy tells us it's not true. And Lord, sometimes just regular life gets us down. It's easy to get discouraged when we're living right, trying to do right, and live for you, and it seems like nothing's going our way. But Lord, we know sometimes those detours in life are where you want us. We know that our wants don't necessarily equal our needs. So help us find joy even in the detours of life, knowing that you've got us every step of the way. And Lord, help us to quiet our soul and quiet our spirit and learn to reflect instead of overreact to what's going on in our lives. And give us our joy back. Don't, don't let us get grinched at Christmas. Give us our joy back this Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.